0: For 10 years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, RosieOnThehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House.
1: And today we're broadcasting from inside a house. Currently used as the office building for renovations. A lot of the homes in this Prescott area that were built over 100 years ago have been turned into offices. Around Knob uh, Knob Hill, that what that that's is? what
0: this area is called. Knob Hill. Hill. This house was never part of Knob Hill. This is where the service people would live. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're joined with Tom Riley of Innovations. We're going to be talking about the sustainable role in uh, reducing our energy demand by increasing our building practices and building science. And as we've covered this, uh, one of our listeners, Jay, kind of, we we, we kind of got. He he sent us a questioning email that uh, when it came in, a lot of the office kind of like, you
2: know. He's gunning for us.
0: <laughs> Did it sound something like this?
1: <laughs> no, our, our exchange was a little more civilized than that. Uh, but he said, hey, I was just wondering, Rosie on the house was so feverishly on the side of APS customers uh last year and now this year it seems like you're so much on the side of APS or am I missing something and it's it's really hard to separate but I think it's two different things um the APS rate case I I do think there was a lot of crooked uh corruption that went on and with their parent company and the way they it's it Very much seems and and apparent they bought and paid for the commissioners to get a rate case change they wanted. But what we haven't talked about that at all in this month. What we've talked about is our tour of the power plant, the grid system, and the delivery. It is in a very impressive operation. It is a very impressive delivery system. The grid is a fascinating thing and adds a huge amount of comfort to our daily lives. And I kind of look at it in another way. We all... ...value our local police and fire departments, but I think we could all have endless amount of grievances of the government above it. It's kind of like the same thing with the power. We've got great power, great grid system, and we all appreciate it, but do we have huge grievances with the politics and the corruption that happen above our heads? Yeah, and although it is the same topic, I think it's two different things, being impressed and appreciative of the power that's delivered but still being aggravated by the big the big money above it. And then he said, uh, so he, he was very appreciative of our response that we uh, sent back and said, it just seemed like the tone was different. Well, when, and he was specifically referring to our power question, because I asked him, did he hear our segment last week about solar energy? And because that was another one of our listeners' aggravations, that there's not a competition you can areas of Houston, I think you have up to six or seven different options on who you want to buy your power from. Do you want to give your money to a company, A, B, or C? And we don't have that option in Arizona. You're on TEP, you're on SRP, you're on APS, you're on, you know, any one of the nine major utility providers. uh, And, but you don't have an option. You can't say, well, I live here. I want to pay SRP for my money, not APS. You don't have that option. Well, Solar is your competition to that for daytime use. And he said, yeah, but it seemed like there was, um, even then, it it seemed like the tone was more favoring. Well, we had a partner in with us, one of our solar partners, and every solar installer is still partnered with the utility company. And the last thing they want to do is go bad mouth their
2: Partners in power.
1: Yeah, <laughs> because all the solar systems are tied to the grid, and they work in partnership with uh, with it. But I will say Kyle did get a, a few little – they were very subtle about rate changes coming. Do you trust your power company to make a rate change that's going to reduce your bill? <laughs> he, he had a few very subtle comments, if uh, if you caught them, that were funny. But
2: Well, and I think I caused some of the confusion <clears throat> a year ago, because when the new rate case was approved – We've been trying to encourage people down in the deserts to use their home for thermal storage. So that in the off-peak hours, you turn the thermostat down as low as you can stand it and turn your house basically into a refrigerator. And then on peak hours, your air conditioner just sleeps. As a matter of fact, your whole house just sleeps. You're buying power at one-fourth the price. Instead of 24 cents a kilowatt, you're paying six cents a kilowatt. And I tell people if they take their APS power bill specifically, take a look at the total number of kilowatts, the total dollars invested. If you're paying over 12 or 13 cents a kilowatt, you're not managing your power consumption correctly. And we felt like the new power rate was going to obliterate the chance for supercooling, which we had trained Thousands, tens of thousands of people to do. But in fact, if you can still delay cooking till 8 o'clock, you can still have a power bill. I mean, my power bill, uh, air conditioning 3,400 square feet, a swimming pool, grandkids running in and out of the house all day long, mom leaving lights on every day in every room. For all day.
1: Ask
2: (laughs) you can ask Dan. I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm still with all that. I'm still at under ten cents a kilowatt, and it's just a matter. And I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm unlivable with what I ask. I mean, we don't really significantly change our lifestyle. We're just strategic about, you know, we do a lot of gas. We have a gas kitchen. So we do a lot of our cooking at night, you know, in a gas pot, or
1: barbecuing out with the or barbecue outside.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I did kind of jump down APS's throat about a year ago, thinking they're they're really messing with us. But as the new plan kicked in, we just had to learn how to re-manipulate it. And so once you learn how to re-manipulate, so I've I've softened my position on the APS rate change because it, it really there are some people that actually are saving more money now than they were back then So, and the people who have seen large price increases are still haven't adjusted their power consumption to start after 8 o'clock invariably when somebody says my bills are up 30 and 40% I say well you've still got your programmable thermostat set to go on at 715 and you got to change that to 815 and quit fast charging your Tesla when you get home at 530 <laughs> in the afternoon.
1: Which is a small percent of people. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but but you do that one time and pay $600, you remember it. <laughs> and So there you go. There's the follow-up on APS.
1: And breaking it down, $600 is not fun. That's what we've got to pay this month for our APS bill. Um and you think, wow, how big of a home it is. It's 2,200 square feet, but we've got a couple things that consume a lot of energy. When you divide that down to the day, to the hour, to live comfortably and what that is cents per hour, like you know what, I, for the quality of life and, and for the kids and the family to live comfortably in a 100-plus triple-digit weather, you know, I, I'm, I don't enjoy writing that. But I'm not going to not ride it, and I think that's where a lot of people get – the passion gets built up as they feel like they're stuck, and no one feels like they like being stuck. And stuck by the man. Right, yeah. <laughs> Take it to the man. So at the point you're ready to remodel a home, let's look at increasing the efficiency of that home and reducing our need for demand by thermal, uh, thermal bridging and other sustainable practices. And, Tom, you want to just run through – I don't think we have enough time to cover all those certifications on <laughs> on the wall, but maybe one or two of the highlights of the education you've done in the sustainable and lead world.
0: Well, I'm a lead accredited professional, and uh, have been that way since uh, probably for about ten years now. And uh, there's a series of study and testing that you have to go through in order to be able to achieve that. And I'm a member of the uh, United States Green Building Council, the U.S. Force Stewardship Council, things like that. Um, those certifications basically mean that I've learned a little bit about how to do things sustainably in the construction industry.
1: And sustainable reduces the demand that we have on the grid to heat and cool our home through efficiencies and not only materials, but building practices.
0: Well, the whole idea, the whole notion of sustainability is that you're practicing a particular way of doing things that is something that is does not have a net extraction from a footprint that you leave on the planet. Um, Basically, sustainable is something just that. It it can sustain itself. It keeps going on and on and on. And it's not something that consumes a whole great deal of of whatever it is, energy or or whatever. And remodeling in and of itself is uh, probably one of the most sustainable construction programs you can have out there because basically you're recycling houses. You're recycling buildings. And uh, the amount of energy that it takes to create the products that go into a new building you know is also considered part and parcel of what that building is, what kind of a footprint that building is leaving.
1: And you spent time out at Arcosanti, if I, spent, I remember correctly. I
0: spent five years out there. Five? Yes, I was out there for five years. Uh, it was a great, great, great experience. Um, and it was, like, like Paula would say, he says, I think it's time for you to go find your own mesa. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And
1: for somebody who doesn't know, just explain real quick what Arcosanti is.
0: Well, Arcosanti is—it's uh, called an arcology, and you know, it's an experiment—an experiment in uh, urban in an urban environment, trying to create an urban environment that um, is three-dimensional as opposed to two-dimensional. Two-dimensional would be Phoenix, you know, those those kinds of things, where things are spread out a long ways and what have you, a lot of roadways and what have you. If you take the cars out of a place like Phoenix, or if you take the roadways even out of a place like Manhattan and bring all the buildings together, it's t- trying to create a three-dimensional, um, dense urban living environment. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, it's just it, it's another not only energy, energy is a big part of what that does. And it's much easier to be able to energize a, a city like that, like in our ecology, than it would be just the two dimensional cities. But uh, overall, it, th- there's a lot of things that come along with being in an urban environment that is a, a benefit.
1: And we'll continue that conversation here at Rosie on the House after this. If you'd like to join the conversation, one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie, for you.
2: Don't get your windows replaced until you get an education and a quote from the experts at Pella Windows. So we've got Adam Homer in. Do you often change the window product as you go around the
1: house?
0: Oftentimes, customers wanting to turn a window into a door. If somebody wants to take a an operable window, maybe that they don't ever open, we turn those into picture windows. Would you change glazing options as you go around a house? You know, I guess intuitively it kind of makes sense. I mean, I understand why people think that maybe I'll I'll do, uh, you, you know, your best sun defense glass on the west and south exposure and maybe do something different uh, and less expensive on the north and east side of the house. I mean, when it's 115 degrees outside, it's 115 degrees outside, whether. The sun's on it or not. I mean, you're going to put sun defense glass if you're here in the valley uh, throughout your whole home. Take the time to think through the right door and window. Tell us two locations in Scottsdale and Tucson. Find them at RosieOnTheHouse.com under Certified Partners.
1: I'm going to go into this topic at risk of having listeners tune out because they're tired of hearing the soapbox from me over and over and over and over
2: and over and over and over and over.
1: But where where do you come down on this, Tom? When we're talking about building and sustainability, I don't know how they can classify a home that's built out of sticks, studs as sustainable. I mean, what are you going to get out of that year house? Fifty, a hundred? What good is it to do to have to just start, break it back down to concrete and start all over? I mean, with the growing population of the entire world, we've got to build homes that last hundreds of years, not decades. And you can go to any production, you go into a historic district downtown. We've got, you know, John F. Long brick homes that are beautiful and still there. You can go into a modern subdivision that's silly sticks and stuccos it. And, if, you know, at the age, of these John F. Long homes that are built in the 60s now, you know, fast forward to the 2040s of, you know, this. No one's going to go back and have the value that those neighborhoods have. It's just not going to be there. You're going to be flattening them and rebuilding them. The most sustainable thing you can do is build with masonry and have a, you know, a, a lifetime perspective on the home and not a short-term perspective and so many people for a lot of reasons disagree
0: well the issue is uh, and from a sustainability standpoint you know, you're not wrong but by the same token um, our society as it is we live in a pretty much a throwaway society and uh, things uh, you know built and I'm trying and,
1: to reverse that <laughs> well,
0: yes you are yes you are and, and and by God that's a great bully pulpit and you should you should stick with it. Um, but in our society, we have a tendency to want to change things, move things, throw things away, do something different. Um, the building that we're sitting in right now, our office is downtown Prescott here. You know, this building was built in uh, 1904. So, you know, it's it's got, you know, bowed floors and the walls aren't exactly plumb and everything like that. But if I was 110 years old, I probably would be a little bit bowed <laughs> and unplumbed too. So, uh, you know, th- there's, there's that. And it's built out of wood. Uh, so... The issue of whether or not to build out of masonry or concrete versus wood, you're not wrong. Uh, masonry is a very high-energy product. Uh, particular concrete is a very high-energy product. It takes a lot of energy to create that particular product, uh, whether it be you know, masonry block, brick, anything like that. There's a lot of energy that goes into that particular thing. So if you're going to build a thing uh, with masonry, and if it's only going to be around for 50 years, you know, then you're probably overall your energy footprint, you know, is probably not going to be as good as if you built something out of a like a sustainable a wood product, and uh, some of the synthetic products that are out there. You know, wood frames, um, different manufactured sidings, uh, stucco, all those different kinds of things. So the you know, the answer, the answer to the question is time. You know, how much time is something going to last? And so I think that if you're going to build a masonry building and it's going to be around for 100, 150 years, then that's, that's, prob- that's better than trying to build a wood building and have to tear it down in 50, 60 years and do something else. So, yeah, from that standpoint, you're, you're correct. But typically in our society nowadays, we aren't necessarily looking towards the longevity of things like we should be.
1: And my argument about the fact that it takes a lot of energy to produce concrete products you know these these plants that make cement you know these are massive machines and they use a lot of energy well in the long run how much water does it take to grow those trees that you need to go cut back down and saw and transport and log And when you look at a properly built home out of masonry or job site look at the dumpster your concrete masonry waste is a lot less than a wood built home where you've got all these different sticks that are cut and you can recycle every bit of that masonry material for aggregate and sub base that wood just goes to the landfill you're not recycling that way they may i guess somebody could probably take it and just grind it up into paper but they don't it just goes to a landfill
0: you're right you know and a lot of the masonry products also go to the landfill too so i think that uh, again it's our throwaway society that we have we don't necessarily do that but like i said you're not wrong but if you want to build something that, if um, you take into account the economics of it, it's probably a little bit less expensive to build with sticks than it is to build with masonry. So that's that also plays into it as well. So it, you know, there's the economics that are part of that.
2: Well, and whether you're talking sustainable or not, I have a selfish reason for like living in a masonry home, and that's the reduced maintenance.
0: Well, yeah, there is that. And, well, the other thing, too, is from an energy standpoint, it's not just the energy that you use while you're occupying a building, you know, your home or what have you. It's the energy that it takes to make the products that construct the building. But when you're in a masonry building, one of the things that the other advantages are is that uh, if you build it properly with the masonry on the inside and the insulation on the outside, your house becomes, you know, has a lot more thermal mass to it. And so the temperature swings inside the house, if you're doing super cooling, yeah. you know, things like that, it's, it just lasts a lot longer. The temperature swings aren't as rapid.
1: Well, and then just the, what Rosie said on the maintenance side of things and a reduction of uh, energy use. A Slump block ranch home a red brick home, these are homes that are 60, 70, 80 years old that have never been painted. You've know, you got to be painting a stucco home every five to ten years, how much less you're consuming by not having... To paint and all the elastomeric products you got to put on to cover up cracks <laughs> well yeah
0: I mean yes you're right about that um, again building a masonry home if you were just to build a masonry home that was just the masonry wall itself you know that was not as efficient as you could be if you put stuck you put your insulation on the outside and then some kind of siding on the outside of that doesn't necessarily have to be stucco.
1: Arizona Saturday morning. We're talking sustainable buildings. I will have to say, what stole the show for me this weekend was Don Ryden's presentation. One, he had the auditorium at the Elks Theater to give his presentation to yesterday afternoon, but he covered the architectural work of Michael Goodwin. Are you familiar with Michael Goodwin? Some of his stuff, yeah. And we posted one example yesterday. It finally made sense to me. Every time I used to have to go to, I used to get permits for. Dad's Remodeling Company. That was one of my first jobs because uh, you always get the grunt work, and one of the worst jobs you could have at remodeling is sitting down at the city office arguing with the people behind the desk that have never swung a hammer in their life, but that's a different point. So I got that job, and you have to go down to different municipalities to get – uh, you know your permits. If it's in Paradise Valley, you got to go to this building. If it's in Tempe, you got to go to this building. And those two municipalities were designed by Michael Goodwin or his father Kemper. I can't remember. It was so fast and I had so many notes. I can't remember which one was who. But they did a lot of their work together. And I and I didn't realize until yesterday that it was designed by the same person. And it's interesting because Paradise Valley is a pyramid. When you look at it from the outside and they've got the dirt backed up to the building, you go to Tempe and it's an inverted pyramid. And every time I went down there, I thought, who, what knucklehead designed this stupid building? And the amount of time that Don Ryden spent explaining the building and the solar reduction that was designed into it. And I posted a picture on our social media channels yesterday. You can see their research and their their reason for the angles and the reduced solar to re- cut down on their heat gain to make it a more energy efficient building. I They weren't so dumb anymore. I, huh? I, I, it makes perfect sense, and I have a huge appreciation for it now. Yeah. One of the other buildings that they did that I wanted to uh, highlight, it doesn't exist anymore, and it it's not because it uh, – it was for no other reason. It was a school, and they just needed a bigger school as Phoenix grew and the population grew. You know, the the, the school that was designed wasn't big enough. But listen to this: it, Do you know Shea Middle School or Shea High School or it was it's Shea mid, School it's something? School. Is yeah. it a school? It was. So when that was awarded to Michael Goodwin to design, build, and, and develop, the average cost for school buildings at the time was twenty dollars a square foot. And they gave it to him with a budget of $16 a square foot. So he's already starting a project under budget and remodeling or any kind of building. How often does something come in under budget? I mean, <laughs> there was, there, there's a project that they talked about in a different conference yesterday, or a revital uh, a restoration project on Camelback that's $4 million over budget. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> that, hurts.
0: <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. He finished his project at $12 a square foot. Well, good for him. You know, one of the things you mentioned, the uh, Tempe Town Hall, this current uh, Arizona Highways, the current issue that's out there is about architecture in Arizona. It is. And they have uh, they talk about the Tempe Town Hall. I haven't Hall. read it yet, but okay, good. Yeah, and we'll talk we're talking about several different buildings, and of course, Frank the right stuff. But uh, the Arizona Highways current issue, if you haven't seen it, go out and get one. And, and by current, it's July's issue. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. The one I just got in the mail. Yeah,
1: they're they're good at being ahead of time. Yeah, all (laughs) magazines do that. It's not even June yet, and I'm already or it's it's not even halfway through June yet, and I'm getting July. I've 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 got to finish June's article, uh, or edition. But it it is. Uh, I I did see that. I'm looking forward to reading it. But the way he did it was he did he didn't build walls. They excavated the site for the school. They built. Thirty or, or every thirty feet, they poured these massive concrete columns that supported the roof structure. Poured a concrete floor. All the dirt, they backfilled it. gun out of the outs, the inside of it. Landscaped the outside, and that was their building. Oh, good! Kind of sounds like an earthship, <laughs> doesn't it, Rose? Sounds like an earthship. That's right.
0: <laughs> you now the a very very talented family and of that, architects, and that comes back to
1: rammed earth as another one. Now I know. That there's a lot of areas that the dirt doesn't make sense, and you've got to add so much to it, and it takes a lot of dirt to make a rammed earth wall. But I do want rammed earth to be part of an architectural feature in my, quote, perfect home that is
0: not going to be massive, but... Oh, um, well, there's a lot of, there's several rammed earth uh, structures throughout uh, the Prescott area. Uh, probably the most obvious one is one right on um, Whipple. Uh, it's a dentist office. And uh, it's, it's right there, and you can see that even the sign out front is rammed earth. But what you do with rammed earth, rammed earth is, is an interesting material to be able to use. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into it that can go into it. It depends upon the soil type that you have, like you said. And for the most part, though, you need to, uh, typically you'll need to include some level of concrete cement, you know, in with the soil. You mix that in with the soil to help give it some more stability and hold it together kind of like a glue. Uh, To hold things together. It's not a glue, but it's like that. You know, and uh, educating municipalities uh, in the area has taken some time to be able to do that so that we can use a lot of these alternatives Uh, straw bale houses.
1: How about Adobe Brick? What is the.
0: Adobe is, well, yeah, they they still do that out here. As a matter of fact, YEI, Yavapai Exceptional Industries, up here used to make Adobe Brick. I don't know if they're still doing it or not, but uh, they used to do, make, manufacture Adobe Brick for local people to do
1: well, one of the um, sections um, sessions I sat in on was about the Empire Ranch and they were showing current pictures and a good half of the ranch was built out of Adobe and it's still you know standing good and strong and it's 100 years
0: old
2: yeah as long as you have a good roof uh, and because what it'll what you keep the water right. off you know uh, the Adobe block will last for a long time Tom being a remodeler up here and you have a Pike County in Prescott area for 30 years closer to 40 40 years uh what are you seeing right now what's driving the phone calls
0: most people actually what's what's really interesting is we've probably done more kitchens this year than uh, than anything else a lot of people are wanting to redo their kitchens and uh that's we i just find that interesting how it kind of comes and goes different ty- types of projects we're looking at uh, more comprehensive projects uh people that are wanting to do a little bit throughout their entire house, whether it be the kitchen, the master bathroom, you know, I want to paint this, I want to change, the, you know, the, this, want to put a window here, put a door where there's a window, different things like that. But they're doing it throughout the entire house as well. So that's some of the things that we're seeing. And one of the things that we're seeing up here too, that's a real benefit for, well, you guys know this, uh, people who have second homes up here. Yeah. You know, that's huge. And we have a lot of people that, you know, they buy a second home up here. And they want to redo it. And, they, you know, it's a home that was probably built in the, in the 80s, you know, the 70s, 80s. Most of them, I would say, 80s, early 90s. We're finding that uh, those are the homes that people are redoing the entire house, re- refreshing their whole home.
2: You know what we're seeing a lot of? Back in the heyday, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, we got involved in a lot of large projects. I mean, almost just gut renovations, tear down and rebuild. And then we got to 2007, 2008, and the people that did not have pulled the trigger on the large job would call us back and say, well, let's just do a facelift of the hall bathroom and we'll we'll wait it out. Now those projects are all coming back to the table because they've got the equity now. And boy, in my experience, when homeowners got equity, they're remodeling.
0: And we love that, yeah. um, and um, we're glad that the equity level has gone up. And uh, a lot of our a lot of our work is done. Um, we don't deal, we have the ability, but we don't necessarily deal with you know lending institutions and what have you. We find that most of our customers are either they're getting their own loans or what have you, or they're coming out of pocket. You know, home homeowner, homeowner equity lines of credit, yeah. things like that. They're doing those things, so it's really interesting to see, you know, how people pay for it and the things that they want to do. Uh, people are still very, very budget conscious. I mean, p- s- most folks will come to us and say, okay, I have X number of dollars. What can I do? You know, I want to do this, 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 and this, you know, and this is my budget. You know, and usually when we stop laughing, uh, <laughs> when we get back into and we sit down there and we help them tailor what their budget is and what they can do for the amount of money that they want to invest in their home.
2: Yeah. So uh, how about how about uh, live-in
0: quarters? We've done, you know, in the last year or so, we haven't done very many of those, really? but we have done more of them in the past. We usually, as a matter of fact, I've written several articles on it, uh, multi-generational housing. We've had a lot of inquiries about that, where, you know, kids are moving back home with the parents, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, it's, it's becoming a real thing and, and being able to design the home that they have in such a way that they can still have, both families can have their own level of privacy, yet there are more uh, spaces that they share. Shared spaces, or I would call the more public spaces,
1: and you have a lot of challenges here in the mountains. And you, you, we think oh, Prescott and Flagstaff, you know, these small countries, all this room. I look here around here. I'm like, I couldn't live here. I'm so used to five acres, and haven't these lot sizes are small down here. You don't have a lot of room to work with. Well, I'll tell you, Romy. <laughs>
0: you know, I lived out on I lived out in the in the rural areas for a good number of decades, and. Uh, I was done. <laughs> so, you know, my wife and I are looking forward to living downtown and uh, the walkability of the downtown, just being able to walk around and do the different things that we want to do. And I may
1: get to a point, I'm not there right now, but uh, just from looking at the amount of workable space, is one challenge, but second, the mountain grade. You know, there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration on these elevation changes that, you know, there's... A mat, you know, 90% of Arizona from, you know, Congress to Nogales has very few mountain challenges
0: well, for here, the majority of the there, There's a lot of subdivisions that, you know, as, as Prescott has grown out, there's a lot of subdivisions that have moved out into the more mountainous areas. And there's uh, we have a lot of things called walkout basements, which basically the the house is built into a hillside. And so the uphill side is a, a solid wall. And then the down, as you go in the sides... You know, part of that is covered with earth as well, but the front of it is usually wide open. You put a patio out there, a variety of different things, and people, we convert a lot of those spaces into living spaces. They also become the second home spaces where, you know, you have either, you know, mother-in-law quarters is what they call them, or you could have, you know, Bud Nethel and the kids Chuck and Wendy, you know, Chuck and Wendy move back in, and, you know, things, and that happens as well, and that's a place for them to be one of the things we're doing with our remodeling
2: clients down in the valley is we ask them look it doesn't make sense for us to look at the project you want us to do unless we do a whole house energy audit it doesn't make sense for us to go in and significantly impact 20 to 30 percent of the existing ductwork without doing a pressure test to see that what we're attaching to is in pretty good shape to begin with and if it's not let us get in there and fix it while we are already got it all exposed. So we're asking up most of our remodeling prospective clients, let's please get a whole house energy audit before we go in and start. And then we can take a look at things we can take care of on an economic basis while we're in there. And we're we're finding that we're driving comfort level of homes up significantly, and that's all a, a very sustainable tactic.
0: It is, and if we are going to affect, you know, when you put in a kitchen, you know, or doing a master bath, you're really not affecting the overall um, heating system or cooling system that much. Uh, so we don't usually do that with that. But when we do do a whole house thing we are going to be moving ductwork work around and doing things like that, then yes, we say let's do this, let's take a look at your duct work overall, and let's find out what, uh, what we can do to help improve that. One of the things that you, we find up here, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you find the same thing down in the valley, is that a lot of duct work was flexible duct. And um, with the flexible duct, sometimes if it is somewhat exposed or you know exposed to any kind of movement around it, You know that uh, that flexible duct, you know, can become dislodged pretty easily. You know, and uh, that's what you're talking about—making sure that they're connected well and they stay connected well, and that you know you don't want to be heating and cooling your crawl space—that's for sure. Yeah,
2: or or down the valley, your attic, you know. Yeah, really, (laughs) exactly, for sure. Here visiting with Tom Riley, his company is Renovations, a remodeler in Prescott, offices just off the courthouse square on
0: Alarkin. Which is a Spanish general. That's what I understand. I was a Spanish general that you know probably came through here several hundred years ago and you know waltzed through and somebody thought it was smart to name something after him. So that's why it's here.
2: Been a successful remodeler in Yavapai County for almost 40 years. We've appreciated the partnership with renovations at Rose on the House. I can always confidently say when people say, "Rosie, you've remodeled my house, in Arcadia, Carefree, Paradise Island. we bought a second home in Prescott. I used to have to sit a crew up here and do it, and now I can just say, call Tom.
0: <laughs> we it, appreciate it's, that.
2: It's going gonna, it's gonna to be better for all parties involved. You don't have to pay for my windshield time. Tom has been on the planning commission, the building, the city council. He knows all the codes. He's a successful architect himself. Just call Tom.
1: Arizona Saturday morning. Had the doors open all all morning. Enjoying the, the mountain air and mountain smells of Prescott. as Broadcasting live from Renovation's office. We've been up here for the Arizona Historic Preservation Conference. and There was a lot of things we wanted to cover in that today. But the conversation on air has been so interesting. That's one nice thing about a weekly radio broadcasting. Just roll it over to next week. You're perhaps already done. <laughs>
0: Tom, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Uh, there's a variety of ways. You can give us a call at 928 445 8506. You can reach us at uh, tom at renovationsaz.com. That's my email address. And uh, you can also go to our web- website, um, renovationsaz.com, and uh, do a contact us, and we'll get an email that says, you tell us what you want to do what and how you want to do it, and by golly, we'll respond. We usually respond typically the same day, sometimes within 24 hours. And, of course, weekends, we want to have our crews spend the time with their families. So Saturday and Sunday, you may not get a response till Monday. Okay.
2: And y'all fight a little bit different thing than we do down in the Valley, where I'll have someone call me and say, I've spent $30,000 on windows, I've spent... Forty thousand dollars doing out on my masonry house. I've spent, you know, seven thousand dollars on increased insulation, and I'm trying to make my. I'm, I'm trying to cut my summer energy bill. I said, "How much is your summer energy bill?" You know, well, six hundred a month. I said, "Well, boy, you've got about seventy thousand dollars invested, and you're trying to you're trying to cut how much off of this bill?" You know, and y'all have a little bit different
0: problem up here we well, our, our issue up here is not so much cooling as it is we have a heating season which you guys typically don't have very much up right. down there and i know the guest that you had the previous hour he particularly looks forward to the heating season that was dave barrett of barrett propane and uh that's his favorite time of year uh but uh the the thing that we deal with up here was this very very similar people think that they need to spend a whole bunch of money to save energy and I usually try to sit down and we try to sit down understand the efficacy of, you know, should I put in, if I'm going to put in $75,000 to save $100 a month on my bill, you know, well, if you're going to live here for 100 years, then that's a good deal, oh, man. you know, but there, there's, a, there's a playoff that you have to do there. And finding out why people want to do something is often very, very interesting, uh, why they want to do the remodel, why the, what their expectations are. And some folks do it well, some folks don't do it well, and um, we've had one client that uh, – did very very well. They did solar and they re-insulated and what have you, and uh, they spent they spent some money on it. But by the same token, we sat down and figured it out that within ten years they'd be having a payback. And sometimes it has nothing to do with money. Sometimes people want to do it simply because we they want to have less of a footprint. Yeah, have a high schooler and we
1: switched our, our water heater from electric to gas so we wouldn't have to worry about the on-demand uh, power charging. It would heat up faster. The rest of the family could shower at the same day <laughs> or within the same hour. <laughs> so there's, there's quality of life decisions that are factored into these things as well. well that's, that's
0: exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, upsizing your water heater is probably one of the simplest things that you can do to keep the hot water flowing. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, when we put in the, the gas one, it was, I think we went from a 40 to a 60 as well.
0: <laughs> well, it's, we raised two girls, and uh, they had their fair share of time in the shower, <laughs> in the bathrooms. and it, it worked out pretty well, though.
1: So, well, we've enjoyed our broadcast up here. Thanks for letting us use your uh, office for our, our flagship this morning.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you using it. It's great. You've got some big plans for this property. Yes, My wife and I are going to make this our forever home. We're going to be relocating renovations to more of a uh, design center showroom venue, and uh, that's something we're looking forward to doing. And again, Tom, if somebody wanted to reach
2: out to you, one of our Valley residents that were looking at second home, maybe they're even just looking in the area and they want to talk to somebody that's been in the area a long time, or they've got a home, want work done to it um, in this
0: particular area, how would they reach out to you? 928-445-8506. Next Saturday, uh, what is it?
1: I'm on mountain time. I have to get back to work time when we get back. Today's the 15th, right? Yes. 22nd. What are we talking about the 22nd? I'm trying to picture the white. I've been
2: gone for two weeks. I have no (laughs) idea, but we'll figure it out (laughs) between now and then. (laughs) And we'll start at 7
1: o'clock. So we look forward to talking to you all then. Have a great week.